Hebrews chapter 12. Are you there in your Bibles, if you would please, this evening? Let's look there. This will be the final message I'll bring in this passage of Scripture in the last two weeks that I've had the chance to speak on this Sunday night. I've spoken to you a little bit about this passage. Of course, the book of Hebrews, and if you'll allow me to, just to review just for a second. If you don't allow me to, I'm going to probably do it anyway, but I just want to share it with you. But the book of Hebrews, the main theme of this entire book, it's one of the 66 books of the Bible, is that Jesus is better. He's better than the angels, better than Abraham, better than the Old Testament, better than Moses. He's a better high priest. He's a better covenant. He's better. That is the, that is the theme. In chapter 11, you'll see the great hall of faith that is mentioned people who believe that Jesus was better. And then in chapter 12, the writer says, now, all the people who believe that Jesus was better, from Abel down to the last guy that tortured or got, went through a difficult time or got delivered from the lions or whatever happened, when they die, they now are standing at the finish line of eternity. Or they're getting into the, the Colosseum. And they're watching you and they're watching me run our race. He says, now it's your race. It's your time. It's your opportunity to serve the Lord. It's your opportunity to, to, uh, to run. Now, you're in a race, and the author, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says, now, a couple things you've got to remember while you're running your race. First of all, you're not against anyone. You're against your potential. God made you very uniquely with a DNA, with a heart, with strengths, with weaknesses, with a background, and you're different than everybody else. One of the problems of oftentimes Christianity is we compare ourselves among ourselves, which is not a wise thing to do. Now, to be very careful that you're not trying to compare yourself uh, to someone else and don't compare other people to someone else in a way. I think it's very dangerous. It's, it's unwise. Because you're running a race that's very unique to you with different, different strengths and weaknesses. But he says, look, if you run this race, remember something first. Number one, free yourself from anything that's going to slow you down. If you're going to run for the Lord, you're going to run your, live your life, he says, if you're going to run, lay aside every weight and sin which slows you down or besets you. Nothing slows us down living the Christian life quite like sin does. And there are other things that are not necessarily sin, but they slow us down from doing what God wants us to do. He said, now free yourself of anything like that. Number two, remember the fan base. Remember as you run your race, you're not just running uh, yourself. You're being watched by people in heaven who have finished their race, it seems to be, and people on the earth. Your neighbors, your work, your co-workers, they're all watching you. They're watching you run your race. They're watching you when you go through the valleys of your cross-country race. They're watching you when you go to the mountaintops. Whenever things are good, when the level is, the ground is level, or whenever it's hilly and difficult and twisty and turning, God knows, and people are watching you. He said, number one, free yourself of themes that will slow you down. Remember the fan base. Number three, remember the focus. Looking unto Jesus. He's your focus. And he's at the finish line. He authored our race. He's done with his race. He sat down at the Father's right hand, but he said, I want you to keep him in focus. If you look anywhere else beyond Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. Jesus is our focus, and that's one of the things I love about the Apostle Paul. He said that I might know him. 
He knew Gamaliel. He didn't care so much about Gamaliel. He wanted to know Jesus. He wasn't looking for fame. He was looking for Jesus. He wasn't looking for commendation or, or wasn't, it didn't even matter too much the criticism that people gave him. He was being criticized in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and he tells them, you know, if you're going to evaluate me, evaluate me if I'm, a, if I'm a servant, am I a soul winner? And then he says, remember, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found. If you're going to evaluate me, don't evaluate me of my success or failures, my results, but am I faithful? That's what's important. Number three, he said, your opinion of me is very, it doesn't matter a lot to me. It doesn't hold a lot of weight. Because I, there's one that judges me, and that's the Lord. Really, it's a good day in your life when you realize you've got nothing to prove and you have only one person to truly please, and that's the Lord. Happy is the man that is free to live in his own skin, the woman who, who realized this is how God made me, and I am seeking to please the Lord. And when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. God works through things. I'm not saying if you please the Lord, you'll never have any enemies. You will have them. You'll have opposition. Anytime there's movement, there'll be friction. But he says, your opinion of me is very, it's not as important to me, because you don't have all the criteria. And none of us do. One of the things that I have failed in many times is to try to make assessments and judges, judgments on situations when I don't know that I don't have all the criteria. Is someone guilty or innocent? I don't know. Do you know? Do you know for sure? Someone has uh, been accused. Do you know if they're, they're innocent or guilty? We don't know. Necessarily, we don't have all the criteria. Like uh, uh, if someone's working in the ministry, and you're thinking, man, that guy, he's not doing a very good job. Well, you don't know what's going on. He may be doing a great job. What he has had to overcome demonically or the, the counsels of the heart, you don't know. You say, well, that guy, he's never had more than 30 in his bus route. You know, God's not judging him among the number of people on his bus route. He's judging his faithfulness. <laughs> well, they never had a big Sunday school class. That doesn't, that's not, that doesn't, God knows everything going on. All of us ought to want growth. We ought to want uh, success. We ought to want uh, productivity. But you can't judge people based upon based upon things that you don't know. You know what you don't know? God tells us. He said, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. And when he comes, he'll show you the curtain of the unrighteous or the, the hidden works of darkness, satanic op opposition. And he'll know the counsels of the heart. You don't know what's going on inside of me, and I don't know what's going on inside of you. We can see each other. We can look into brown or blue eyeballs, and we can listen and connect with each other, but we don't always know what's going on, on the inside, but the Lord does. He knows. And he says, you know what? Then shall every man have the praise of God. Whenever it's all on the table and all the criteria is there, we're going to know what's going on. In the meantime, we need to keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to run light so we can run right. We've got to remember the fan base, remember the focus, remember the fight. And our fight is not against each other. Our fight is against sin. Every once in a while, someone will say, you're the problem, you're the reason. The truth of the matter is, sin is the reason. Sin is complicated life, and sin does that in my life. My sin complicates me and others. Other people's sin complicates you and them. That's just the way it is. It's not fun. We live in a fallen world with great great uh, complications because of bad decisions that people make and sinful decisions. 
He said, you've not yet resisted against blood, striving against sin. What he's saying to the runner of the race, he says, look, keep fighting sin because sin's going to slow you down. It's going to hurt you in your pathway. Then last week we learned about the Father. Whenever you run your race, don't get angry with the Father. He's the coach. He's the one who's disciplining you. He's the one who is pushing you. And when you do something wrong, he reproves you. And it's a proof of love. It's a proof of sonship or child. That God, God's not going to deal with you the same way if you're not his child than if you were his child. He said it's a proof of your sonship. It's a proof of he loves you. It produces holiness. It produces a good race, and it makes me stronger. It gives me patience. And don't get angry with the Father. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, and, and it's not the first time I've ever heard this, but... but Many people have said, I've just lost my faith. Why? Well, something bad happened to me. Well, that happens to everybody. <laughs> you keep breathing, you're going to have bad stuff happen to you. Don't, don't uh, turn God on his head or in, your, in our minds or hold him up to trial. Say, what are you doing? Why did you let this happen to me? He said, don't get mad at the Father. There are some things that God's doing in your life. You can trust him. So he reminds us while we're running a race. There's two things, three things I want to show you tonight in conclusion of our message. We began in verse number 11 with what Brother Paul read to us. Now, no chastening for the present time seems to be joyous, but it's grievous. So it's not fun going through the disciplines and practice and the, the reproof. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. However, after the discipline is over, there is peace and there is a fruitfulness that comes. Now we see the first word in verse 12. Would you read it out loud with me? The first word, ready? Wherefore. When you see the word wherefore, you kind of see what it's there for. <laughs> and you realize it is, it's a transition word. So he said, okay, with your race, you got to run light. You got to keep focused. You got to remember the fan base. You got to remember it's a fight. It's not going to be easy. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. And your fight is not against people. It's against sin. Number three, or the next thing he's going to say is don't get mad at the Father. And because of this, remember these things. Just kind of wrap it up. He's going to say, as you run your race, wherefore, look at the verse of verse 12. Wherefore, lift up hands which hang down and feeble knees. And make straight the path of your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, and let it be rather be healed. So verse number 12 and 13, I think it speaks of fortitude. He said, knowing, understanding your race, now put your hands up. Don't run your race like this. He said, get it up and, and take it on. What God's called you to do. Stand up, put your, just, he, let's get some fortitude. Lift up your hands. Don't, you don't, wouldn't run a race just putting your hands down like that. You get up where you can get both of your legs and your hands going together. Now lift up your hands and lift up your knees, the feeble knees that hang low. Get them up. I think he's speaking to the fact, if you understand the perspective of your race. Now many people find their problems and they just, they just drown themselves and focus only on the difficulties of running their race. But he says, listen, if you understand the perspective that God has on it, and you're listening to the coach, you're not getting discouraged in chastisement, then get your head up, get your arms up, and let's face this thing. Let's get some fortitude. 
You're a single mom. You can do this. Millions of girls have done that. God has helped them. You're raising little children as a young couple, and you're trying to make your ends meet. How many have been there before whenever you're young and dumb? Okay, yeah, put your hand up there. Yeah, boy, those are rough times. But you know what? God's going to help you through it. Face it. You lost a loved one. You're going through a difficult time. You're facing rejection. You're not the only one who's ever done that. I'm not trying to, to be unkind. I'm just telling you, it's part of your race. And God has offered your race, and God's going to help you in this situation. But he's saying, now, listen, John, get some fortitude. Quit crying, quit complaining, because you got your, your bottom busted, because it didn't go well for you, and you faced some chastisement, some harshness. Hey, come on. Get your arms up. Get your, get your legs up. And focus on your race and, and make sure your feet are landing one after the other and not one off over here and one over here. He said, get, get, if you got something that's, you got a twinked ankle or something, tape it up and keep going. <laughs> don't, don't, don't let it fall out of the way. And I think it speaks of fortitude. And I, once again, this all comes from the Lord. If you have strength to run your race, it'll all be from the Lord. But I do think you can see this over and over and again in the Scripture. God encourages his people to be steadfast, unmovable, always, and bounding in what? Work. Peter says, give all diligence. Keep on working at this. I see missionaries, and I pray for them that are on deputation, because it's discouraging sometimes to make hundreds of phone calls and trying to line up this thing to this thing. Well, come on. Get your hands up. Let's go. You can do this. Many missionaries have done this. You're raising teenagers. God bless you. <laughs> but you know what? You can do it. God can help you. You are a teenager in 2021. That's tough. I see our beautiful kids over here, and, and, I, and I thank God for each of them. But boy, I'm telling you what, it's not easy. You can be pure. It's going to be a fight. Your fight isn't against, uh, it's not against your youth pastor, it's not against your mom and your dad, it's not against, it's against sin. But you can do it. You can, you, can, you can live pure. You don't have to be a pervert. You don't have to be someone that's got his head in the gutter. You can be able to be clean and pure and right. Girls, you can go to the wedding altar pure, without regret. You can do that. Whatever God's put in your race, you can do what God wants you to do. He gives you the strength to do that. And I think the author says, look, as you consider all these things in your race, yeah, running light. Remember the fan base. Remember the focus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. It's a fight. The Father is working, and those are things that are going to produce holiness and stamina to keep on going. Because of that, lift up your hands, run hard, exercise some fortitude on your part, and God's going to help you. He's going to meet you there. I'm glad that the grace of God doesn't just save us. It sets up a classroom in our heart. And it teaches to live godly and soberly and righteously in this world. But uh, God's not going to live without your cooperation in you. You're going to have to work. And I think it's just not, it's not something you have to take on that. But there's a guy who said to work like it all depends on you. Pray like it all depends on God. That's not too, much, too bad theology. But if you're saying, well, I just want God to work out everything. Well, you're going to have to work too. <laughs> Jesus said, I work and my father works. What was he saying? We're working together. He did say, come unto me, all your labor, and take my yoke upon you. So he, there, is a, there is a partnership there. There are responsibilities on our part. Look at the next verse, if you would please. Verse 14, would you? 
Verse 14, the Bible says, follow peace with all men and what? Without which no man can see the Lord. Remember, if you would please, God wants us to look into Jesus. Consider him. But he says, while you run your race, the next thing is remember the following. And he says, follow peace with all men. Nothing, and then he said, if you don't do that, if you don't follow peace and holiness, then you're going to be short-sighted. You're going to have some vision issues. And if you can't see good, you can't run well. You can't run your race well. And no, nothing, in my opinion, and I may be wrong, very few things, I'll say this, very few things um, blur my spiritual vision like interpersonal problems. When I got someone that I'm upset with and I'm not at peace with, it messes with every part of my decision-making, and it keeps me from seeing clearly. Now, you can't live a life without some friction from time to time. We look in the book of Romans. We're at chapter 12. And he says this. He says, look, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with, okay, so he said, as much as you can, live peace with all men. Hey, Jesus was perfect. Guess what happened? He got reviled. When he got reviled, what did he not do? He didn't revile back. But he committed to the one who would judge righteously. You know, sometimes the, the, the strongest thing that I have to do and you have to do is not to respond in a negative way when someone is negative to you. But here's what happens. If I'm running my race and I get upset with the guy next to me and I start pushing and shoving him and arguing with him, what, by, by virtue of that argument, I am losing time. And I can't, I won't be seeing the Lord down at the end of the, of the finish line. I'll be arguing with Brother Quotso. I'm looking at him and I can't see my, and I'm going to get out of my lane. He says, look, as you run your race, stay in your lane. Quit arguing with the guy next to you. And once again, only a perfect person doesn't offend in his words. And none of us are there. We're going to have some problems. But he said, boys, keep in your lane. Follow peace with all men and holiness. Now, that's a challenge. I think if, I, if God only said, follow peace, and uh, without which you can see God, I think we maybe can maybe feel like good. But you know that, that next part is holiness. And some of us wouldn't know holiness if it slapped us upside the face. <laughs> Realizing I belong to God, I think holiness is a, is a basic thought of that, but that's not the only that embodies that. But it, it means to live the way God would want me to live. Because nothing quite lets you have good vision like purity. Purity is powerful. If you ever counsel someone who is immoral in an immorality, they're not a bad person, be it man or a female, but here's what they are. They're confused. They will really be bipolar in their emotions. This has been my experience. Maybe, maybe there are exceptions. But one thing they can't do, they can't make good decisions because they don't have the vision to make it. This is why I plead with you. If you're struggling with immoral things, you're going to struggle with making good decisions. You'll struggle with communicating with God and with others. People that struggle with communication, oftentimes it's, it's, it's a challenge that we're not right with the Lord. We've got to work on that. But he says, look, while you run your race, stay in your lane. Follow peace and Holiness. That's where you can keep your focus going. And let's look at the last thought real quickly. Verse number 15. 
The Bible says, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Before we go to that, would you mind just taking, I, I, I have a verse, a cross-reference I think we'd like to all see, and that is Philippians chapter 2. Would you turn there, Philippians chapter 2? On the previous verse, this is just a, I think I'll use it maybe this week in the, in the um, the Grace to Grow program, but verse chapter 2 and verse number 15, 14. I want you to look at that real quickly. This is a good verse to underline, to apply to our life. It's not an easy one, but I think it's important. Verse 14, would you mind reading it out loud with me? You ready? Do all things. Okay, what do you think murmuring means? Complaining is a word I heard. Disputings, what is that? Arguing. He says, as best you can, don't. Do all things without the complaining, without the disputing. There's some of us that strife is our life. If we can't get something going, we're going to start something. If something does not go, we're going to make it happen. And it happen, I don't care if you're at the family reunion or at work or the nursery or the bus route. I'm just going to stir it up. And he says, God says, do all things without complaining, murmuring. Do all things without bringing up stupid questions, and, and just disputing. And by the way, you're going to find what you're looking for. You want, to find, you want to find negative things? You're going to find it. You want to find things that are pure and right? You're going to find that too. God's going to give you discernment. But he says, do all things about murmuring and disputing. Look at verse 15, if you would please, of chapter 2 of Philippians. And read that with me, would you please? That they may be the blameless and harmless without... All right. He said, look, be a blameless and harmless. Why? Why should I not be a complainer and not be an argumentative person or stirring it up? Why? Because I'm a child of God. And people evaluate my father based upon me. What I'm doing, they automatically look to say, who's your daddy? <laughs> Had someone call the church recently. And it's sad because... They had a complaint about one of our members. They were unkind. They were rude. Then afterwards, all that stuff, and disappointed them, and then they gave them a, gave them a friend day flyer. How about that? You know, look, friends, if you're going to be a bad testimony, uh, he said, you're going you're gonna to represent the Lord in a wrong way. But you need to be a good testimony. Don't complain. Don't, don't stir it up. I don't care. Well, no one even knows me over here at this place. It doesn't matter if they know you or not. They find out who you're from. It's going to be a bad blot on the name of the Lord Jesus. So when people look at me, they ought to have a good opinion of Jesus, not a bad opinion of Jesus. When they have an interaction with you and me, they ought to have a good opinion. Why? Because we're children of God. And we shine as lights in this world. It goes right along with what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so where? Before men. They may see your good works and, and, and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Other things in the workplace or in different, different homes and young ladies in, in the home and people in their, in their employees. One of the things that God says, we need to work hard at our workplace, be a good testimony, and in home be a good example. Why? The reason is, is because when God visits them, they won't use me as an excuse why they won't accept the Lord. No doubt there are some people 
that when they hear the gospel, they might think about me. And they say, yeah, I think John's a Christian. Nah. Or they might say, you know what, I need to embrace that. The Bible says if, if, we, if we are a good testimony, when someone gets the gospel, they will adorn it. What does that mean? They'll put it on. They'll say, I think I'll, I'll try that. I saw that work with so-and-so. I think I'm going to try that. When God visits them, they won't think about me in a negative way or you in a negative way. They'll think about us in a positive way. And boy, that's a challenge to us. But he says, follow peace with all men and holiness, because that's how you keep a clear vision. Now, verse 15, thank you for your patience with that. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15, and let's finish this evening. Thank you for your attentiveness. Are we okay? I'm watching your time go by. Look at verse 15, read it with me, would you please? Looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up and trouble you, and thereby, the Bible says, when you run your race, in context here, watch out for the root that springs up. And it troubles you. It makes you fall down. And it, you fall down, other people fall down on top of you. And they, they're troubled. You're troubled and they're defiled. They're, they're, they're really hurt. And the Bible gives us the idea there, look diligent, be careful, be cautious about this. While you're running your race, keep your eye on Jesus, but keep your eyes occasionally on, on the pathway. And don't let that root of bitterness spring up inside of you. Here's why I feel like all of us have it. All of us have a root that can easily be sprung up. It's usually when something is taken from me that I had or something not given to me that I want or I've been treated unjustly. Who in the Bible do you think had a good excuse to be bitter? Who comes to your mind? Joseph comes to my mind. Anybody else? Job. There was no book of Job when Job was going through Job. <laughs> Like he didn't understand what was going on. He could have gotten very bitter, and maybe he even did. But he said, while you're running your race, John, while you're running your race, whatever your name is, watch, look out for a bitter root that springs up. And sometimes it just, I think it's, a root is oftentimes hidden. You don't see it initially. It's hard for us to see the root and the bitterness inside of us. One of the things that oftentimes bitter people have a hard time admitting that they're bitter. They'll say, no, I'm not bitter, I'm hurt. I'm not bitter, but I would never have done it if they wouldn't have done. And, and the truth of the matter is when you close your night, eyes at night, they, whoever comes to your mind's eye, you might want to evaluate it. Am I, am I upset with that person? Had a precious lady come recently and said, Pastor, I know I'm sick. And I've got cancer. And I want, I, I don't know why, but I've never asked to be anointed with oil and prayed over. And God gives us that option in James chapter 5. And the criteria for doing that is, number one, the person who is sick needs to call for the elders of the church. It's not, hey, come over here and pray for my wife. Hey, go over and pray for my dad. Come over here and pray for my uncle. Will you go pray for my uncle? Will you anoint him with oil? It needs to be the person who's sick. To let him that's sick call for the elders. And then it, needs, it says elders, so I, I appreciate whenever there's more than one person there, if at all possible. And then he said, let them pray over them, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. But in the process of that, he says, now, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they've committed sins, it shall be forgiven them. James chapter 5. 
He says, look, whenever you're sick or you're praying for someone who's sick, first of all, you need to evaluate, am I right with God? Is there anything between my soul and the Savior? I need to evaluate that. Am I right with the Lord? If I'm going to pray over a sick person or if a sick person is coming, have you evaluated your right relationship with the Lord? Number two, he says, confess your faults one to another. Confess the person a fault. A fault is a break in an earthly relationship. There's someone on the planet that you've got to break with. You're upset with them. They may have hurt you justifiably, or you may have hurt them. But there's a break. It doesn't mean you have to fix everything, but he's kind of interested in what God says here. He says, look, if you've got a problem with someone, and you're praying for the sick, or you are sick wanting to be healed, number one, make sure you're right with God. If there's sin, confess it, forsake it. But if you've got a problem with somebody else, there's a break in, the, in a fault, and you're like the San Andreas fault to break in the earth. You've got a break with someone else? He said, confess that. Admit, you know, yeah, I don't like that girl. I don't appreciate that man. He still owes me money. I know what he said for me, what they said to me about on Facebook. I know the criticism they gave me. What, if, if that comes to your mind, confess it. And then the Bible says, pray for that person. That ye can be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a... So much of effectual prayer is based on being right with God and with others when I pray. The Bible says you come, you want to give yourself an offering to God, and then you think while you're giving your offering to the Lord and you're, you're giving a sacrifice or you're coming to new, and then the Lord brings to your mind someone that has ought against you, you have ought against them, what are you supposed to do? He said, well, leave it there and go fix it. Confess it, forsake it, and then come back and offer your gift. Well, many of us, and if we're not careful, we want to sweep it under the rug. We want to justify about why I des- why I des- I, it's okay for me to bear a grudge. If you, what happened to you happened to me. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, you'd, be, you'd be madder than I am. We, we, you're not careful. We get to justifying our reasons why. He says, follow peace. And he said, but watch out for this root of bitterness. If any man fail the grace of God. Do you know what we need when we have interpersonal problems and hurts against us? We need God's grace. We need the help of God at that moment. You know how you get the help of God? Through humility. God giveth grace to the... Boy, you, you hold your guns and I hold to my guns. Well, this is how I think and this is how I feel and this is what I want to happen here. I'm just telling you, you're going to get exactly what you can happen. But if we'll, if we'll humble ourselves and say, God, I'm going to accept your thinking, your feelings, your desires for the situation, then God can exchange that humility for his grace. Don't fail the grace of God. Some of us, we've got deep wounds and cuts on our emotions. And we're okay until someone comes along and they scrape them. We thought we were good. I, mean, I know I forgave that person. You know, you know, I don't want to look at them, how they scratch their head gets on my nerves. But I, I mean, I have forgiven them. But then all of a sudden comes someone to do that. And, and there's the neosporin of God's grace on the table, but we don't touch it. We won't allow that to, to put on there and, and get some healing started. And we try to go on running our race effectively with the root of bitterness that continually str- troubles us. And we just keep falling and falling and falling. And other people start falling on top of us. And we're troubled and they're defiled. If you have children, 
don't give them a bitter dad and mom. Whatever it is that's stirring you up, don't run your race defiling the ones who look to you and call you mom, call you dad. Don't defile your bus route. Don't defile your Sunday school class. Don't try to run your race thinking it's okay for me to hold that grudge. It's not okay. We need the grace of God to deal with us. And I wish to tell you that you can be 54, 53, 73, and you won't have any more problem with this. But the Bible says, looking how? Diligently. Lest any man fail. It's a, it's, a, it's a temptation at every stage of your life. Because you can get hurt at any stage of your life. And watch out for that. And don't fail the grace of God. And when that root of bitterness comes up, it's awful hidden, and it's also sometimes caustic and poisonous. Because a bitter, a bitter root will produce a bitter fruit. And we'll, we may not see it for a while. Sometimes, I think it takes a long time sometimes for bitterness to surface in our lives. But it will surface. And it will surface in attitudes and actions and decisions that need to be dealt with. And even associations. And then the next two verses there, if you look at verse 16, he says, lest there be any fornicator, strong term. Um, and a profane person is Esau, who for the morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterwards, when he, had, he would have inherited a blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance. He couldn't bring himself. So much water had gone under the bridge, so much hurt and immorality and challenges there, that uh, he sought it with tears. He was broken over what happened to him, but he, but he couldn't figure out how to get it turned around. I want us to go to one more passage of Scripture, and we'll conclude with this. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Would you turn there, please? Deuteronomy 24. Would everybody's Bible turn there, if you would? I want you to see it. I feel like it's one that might be good for all of us to underline. Deuteronomy 24. This is an Old Testament reference to this same thought here. I am telling you, Deuteronomy chapter 24, I hope I'm right on that, 24, verse 18. That's not it. Let me look at 18. I'm sorry, guys, for a second. If I didn't get it right, I apologize about that. Mm, I have messed up. Well, maybe the Lord will have mercy on me, and I won't do that. I'll look at that later and give it to you. I will say this, if we're not careful, we get, we get stirred up about something that hurts, hurts us and we don't want to deal with it. And oftentimes, and I'm not saying this is, this is just in the context, the example God used of a guy who was bitter and didn't deal with it was Esau. And Esau didn't just complicate his life, he has complicated the whole world. So much of goes on in so many things, and I think in the Middle East, especially, is complicated because of a man who was bitter. It bothered him, and it defiled many. And I think that sometimes that's exactly what happens in us. And I think oftentimes it, it, it'll send us down to we're not as able to resist immorality. He said, this fornicator he got so short-sighted, and by the time it was, it was time for him to want to change, it was, he couldn't figure it out. He couldn't get the boat turned around. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't want that to happen to me. we got a race to run. May the Lord help us to run light 
to remember the fan base, to remember the focus, Jesus, to remember the fight. It's against sin. It's not, if you think it's against somebody else, we're aiming way too low. Your problem is not walk around with two legs. We think it is. We'll talk ourselves and think, boy, if that person just fell off the planet, then I'd have a good life. No, no. Your problem's not walking around. It's your fights against sin. Your father is working with you. He's the coach. He's disciplined. He's working with us. We've got to have fortitude. Get our arms up. Go. Keep going. Don't quit. Then he says, he said, I want to make sure you follow peace with all men and stay holy. That's ways it gives you vision to keep. You can see the Lord. And then watch out for the root of bitterness that springs up inside of any of us. Let's deal with it when it comes.